on this week's episode of Marketing Clock. Question everything. The internet has answers, and Google finally has a tool to help you find them. Guess what source is leading the way in Google News? Hint. It's a Google-owned property. <laughs> Amy Bishop lays down the real real on everything you need to know before going freelance full-time. And Greg's wife showers him in compliments. And no, sorry, they don't bottle eau de gerbilette. <laughs> You'll never think of daikon radishes again, thanks to Dolly. <laughs> and I lose my life savings to DJ Casper and the cha-cha slide. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. A proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Mark Saltarelli. And I'm Jess Budd. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on January 8th, 2021. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show on YouTube or your favorite podcast player each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join in the conversation, and we hope that you do, hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. Hey, everybody. What's hey. happening here in 2021? The actual first recording in 2021. Woohoo! We made it. There is literally nothing happening. Nothing. <laughs> Jess and I were literally talking about this. And I was racking my brain for what I've been up to. Like, ever since New Year's, all I've done is, like, eat, drink, and sleep. There's been two exceptions. <laughs> my roommate and I always do a movie marathon on New Year's Day. This year, um, the theme was Julie Andrews. Wow. So we watched okay. The Sound of Music. I was going to guess Tremors would be the theme. You just go sequentially through. <laughs> Two years ago, we did Fast and Furious. Mm. Ooh. And that was our least successful one. We only made it through two of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> just skip to Triple X. It's Vin Diesel's best work. <laughs> but yeah, we watched Sound of Music, Mary Poppins, and then Princess Diaries and Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement. Whoa. Whoa. What about you, Jess? My life isn't interesting either. I've got a 15-month-old, and we gave him a couple baths over the holidays, with like bubble baths. That was really exciting and cute. Good, clean, fun. Gave him a mohawk. (laughs) I washed my hands of that terrible (laughs) part. I got nothing. What about you, Greg? Pull the plug. (laughs) New year, new me here. I was keto for quite a long while. The ketogenic diet. I know, Mark, you're a big, big fan, right? Yuck. Yep. <laughs> and while well, it's back. And one of the things, apparently, this is a little bit embarrassing, is A, I don't wear cologne Like, I just don't like the smell of it. It's too much for me. So I usually just am on natural, right? And apparently with keto, I smell different. Do you guys notice I smell different? I'm not allowed to get within six feet of you. (laughs) (laughs) And give a mask on or plexiglass. (laughs) So no. Well, my wife leaned over and goes, can you start wearing cologne? You smell like a gerbil. What? And I said, a gerbil? And she goes, 
yeah, that is sure. a deep cut. So then I'm like, really? <laughs> Not nice. And my wife's really funny. And I'm like, really? A gerbil? Colby, I smell like a gerbil. And she goes, well. Maybe a hamster. You kind of smell like animal bedding. <laughs> <laughs> like the flakes? The flakes? Yeah. You, smell, you don't even smell like creative. the gerbil. You smell like a bed. So I was dying laughing. But new year, new me. Keto. But hey, you know, I'll take the side effects. So. Wow. Whatever. At least y'all don't smell like animal bedding out there. All right. What's going on, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I words. need a moment to recover from that. <laughs> if you have a grievance to air or spicy take to share, anything you want to get off your chest, including telling Greg that he smells like <laughs> animal bedding, our phone lines are open. Visit call.marketingclock.com and leave us a voicemail and we might play it on next week's show. And for the record, I'm a very clean person that showers quite a bit. And quite a bit. <laughs> quite a bit. I shower like showering is one of my favorite hobbies. <laughs> Not me. I don't like showering, but I shower. It's important. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I agree. For Do those you around soap? you. Cosign, retweet. Yeah. Yes, soap. <laughs> soap and Dr. Bronner's tea tree oil. Stuff like soap oh. things. Do they sell that at Petco or <laughs> CBS? Well, if you want some good, clean fun, don't miss us at the SEJE Summit 2021. Yes, the price went up. We've been telling you about this for weeks and months, and we told you it was coming. But if you still want to go to the show, we have a 25% out discount ticket for you. So head on over. We have a link on it on Marketing Clock at Marketing Clock on Twitter. Click on through, you get two days, and it's 25% off for the two-day package. Don't miss us, and hey, give us a follow while you're there. Absolutely, and we love having Mark around, and I hope you do too, but if you miss Shep in your ear holes as much as we do, you can still have her words in your eye holes while she is out. Her book, The Ultimate Google Ads Playbook, Find Prospects Online, Deliver the Right Messaging, Convert Leads, and Accurately Measure Success with Google Ads is available in paperback or the Kindle format, so grab a copy and make it the first book that you read in 2021. And if you want all of the links for the news and everything in the lightning round as well, we are revamping our newsletter here in 2021, so you can head on over to marketingclock.com and get all the links delivered into your inbox before a sort of a truncated version. We're putting everything, the only way to get every single thing on the show is going to be with the newsletter. So get it in your inbox for free over on marketingclock.com. I wonder if we should do some Instagram story ads to grow our newsletter audience. Maybe with like Jeff Bezos, <laughs> the boys. Buffett. We can make a little screenshot of the boys. <laughs> I hey, feel like Warren you Buffett. would unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> First up in the main news this week, Google has launched the Question Hub for U.S. users in English. And Google describes the hub as, quote, a tool that enables creators to create richer content by leveraging unanswered questions. Question Hub collects these unanswered user questions and services them to bloggers, writers, and content creators like you, end quote. Any questions on UV glass, Jess? <laughs> I feel like you'd be the guy to answer them, Greg, after last yes. week. <laughs> but no, I didn't see any. 
So the hub was previously only available in India and a couple of other regions where Google didn't have enough content in its index to answer user queries. So that was a test that they started with. And after a couple of years of doing it, it is now here in the States and ready for publishers to play with. And I don't know about you guys, but I think this is a really cool yeah. idea. Well, I'm just curious, like, Greg, did you go over to India to test this out? Like, you know, <laughs> card? I hop over on my VPN and just go to India, check out my, my people card and then see what it's like <laughs> over there. No, I don't know. Also, do, do you think their departments talk to each other? Oh, they're like, no. They're like, I we don't we... have enough content in the index. Oh, look, we don't have enough content. We'll do passages. Like, it, it, can't, can't you now find the content with the ability to just take a passage from a page and show that? Like, that would, yeah. Hindsight, foresight, 2020. There's not enough content on the internet. No. <laughs> we, need, we need more. We need people to ask questions and other people to answer them. Sounds like Google. I, really, though, like it's a great opportunity for creators. You can find gaps in content. Essentially, how it works is you search a topic, and the hub then presents a list of related questions to that topic. You can click on one and answer it. And the answering that you do is just providing a URL of your own amazing content that addresses said question. And it looks actually pretty easy to use, too. Barry Schwartz, who reported on this for Search Engine Land, shared some screenshots. We'll have them up in the video, and they're also in uh, the link in the show notes. But did you guys see the examples that he shared? Because yeah. <laughs> his topic of choice was Google search. And spoiler alert, the questions are really sad. It's kind of We're fun. sad or accurate? Both, right? It, it's sad that they're accurate. So some examples for those listening at home. Why does Google search suck so bad anymore? <laughs> <laughs> because it's not search. It's just ads above the fold. Maybe that's why. <laughs> so it's really funny. I appreciate that Barry had a sense of humor with us. But the other cool thing about the tool is that after you do answer something, you can see how your content is performing in search. There's a little chart right within the hub that shows impressions and clicks on your answer. So it's nice to see if you submit something, how that's performing. So in addition to Barry playing with this, we have power listener Christoph Trapp. He got on the blower and he shared his experience with us as well. Hey there, it's Christoph Trapp, C Trapp on Twitter. And the question hub on Google, I have started using that this week after Barry Schwartz um, shared that update that it's now available in the United States. Uh, I find it very interesting. I, I uh, have submitted a few answers of content that I already had, uh, and I'm planning on looking at it um, as I'm creating additional content going forward. Some of it seems to be more relevant to B to C honestly, from what I've seen. Um, but there certainly were also some nuggets in there for B2B that I found. Thanks for asking and keep up the great work. Looking forward to the episode. Hey team, it's Christoph Trapp again, content strategy at Vox Pop Me. So quick follow-up from my last voicemail. Um, I did add a bunch of articles that I already had to existing questions that were in the Google Question Hub. And I'm already seeing results after just one day. Um, some have you know, moved up from 11 to 5 in the search engine result pages. Um, others have done similar things. So something to think about. I really think it's a good tool. Uh, it takes a little bit of time to wade through all the questions because, as I mentioned um, not all of them are relevant to what I write about, especially over on AuthenticStorytelling.net. Um, but it is worth trying, and I'm very excited to see some results so quickly. I mean, hours after the fact. 
right. Awesome to see has already had so much success with it. So awesome. definitely give it a test on your own. See how it works. I, I'm going to try it out and see. Like maybe there's somebody out there like, what's the best digital marketing podcast out there? And then we can go right. submit the um, Azim Digital S for the answer. <laughs> 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 All right. Is that it on the content hub or the question hub? That is it. On the, was that a question? I can answer it. Yes. Yes. Great. <laughs> All right. And next up from John Chihada over on newsdash.com. He did a deep dive on YouTube videos and the visibility in the Google News search engine results pages. And John, he, this is way too in depth. We're just going to skim it. So go check it out on Newsdash. That's with a Z. And you can find it in the show notes or in our newsletter. But he found that 11% of all content featured in Google News comes from YouTube. That's crazy. I had no idea it was nearly that high. And that platform, he does a ton on the news side. He always has. He is the go-to on that. And and his tool breaks it all down. Um, Another thing that I thought was really crazy is that number compared to CNN? Like, so CNN's content makes up 2.71% of all of the news in Google News. So if you think about it, he's like, that's more than like 5x that, right? How yeah. much YouTube shows over CNN. It's wild. Which is crazy. But it's CNN also posts to YouTube. So how much of that is like CNN YouTube videos? Oh, he breaks it down. <laughs> he breaks it down <laughs> percentage-wise. <laughs> he's way ahead of me. I didn't pull that, but overall, it just from a domain standpoint, that that that's factual. Um, and he broke down, again, a, a ton of other things. One thing I thought was nice is it gave all this information about YouTube, but then included step-by-step five steps on how you can associate your YouTube, your YouTube channel with your Google News channel. And it's as easy as, as hopping into Publisher Center, but if you want, there's very easy step-by-step directions in there. And then he went on to take a look at video URLs in the SERPs in general, so outside of Google News. And it was very impressive how much YouTube was showing up again. I wonder why. Google's <laughs> ranking a Google property there. Hmm. But he said that they estimated 14.46% of total organic results that is excluding top stories because it's just the organic results are video content. And then he breaks out all the different video sources out there. Mm-hmm. I know Proficient Digital um, a few years ago had a really great resource on it. Eric Enga, former guest on the show when we had guests, uh, had a great article on this. But this is now going to be my go-to when we're talking about video. And we do this, mm-hmm. right? Like we, oh. we use this. Yeah, we end up in Google News every once in a while. Right. And Katie on our team, our producer here, takes the video, cuts it up. And when we talk about something like like this specifically, will be made into a mini that addresses a very specific topic so that we can then get into news mm-hmm. or help answer questions or be found where people are looking for something. Might not need to anymore now that there's a, a question and hub <laughs> going on. We'll answer all of them. But it definitely does work, and we do get a lot of pickup on specific stories mm-hmm. and hopefully bring more listeners into the show by using video. Yeah, and that totally, when we had the marketing a talk with Julie Bettini and Andrea Cruz on the Google search changes, that was in the top of Google News for those changes. Right. Um, but I think it's really funny that these must be two departments in Google that are talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we actually owned 
the search results for Claxers recently. Thanks to our minis. Wow. So there's so much wow. buzz out there. Did you guys hear all the buzz about the Claxers? If you missed that episode, it was actually really, really fun last week. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we cut that up and had the Claxers as its yeah. own video. Ranked above Taylor Swift. Yeah, she was she was big on the Claxers last week. <laughs> Too bad she didn't win one. Shep's are rolling. Try again next right year. <laughs> Shep could have nominated her. Too late. Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We do not influence. You make the call. And this week's take of the week comes from PPC Kirk at PPC Kirk on Twitter. Really Kirk Williams. It's a Shep joke from the (laughs) Claxkers. And Kirk says, automation does not equal data loss. We shouldn't have to choose between supporting automation and exciting changes in marketing tech and losing access to important data. Those two things can stand together and someone expressing concern, re losing data, doesn't make them a Luddite. Hashtag PPC chat. Then he goes on to say a few more things. I'm pondering while doing dishes. It's concerning to me that many advertisers respond to data loss with shrugged shoulders and it's Google's house, so evolve. And this is me talking now. We're not one of those people. We, we don't do that. Like, Greg, I, I don't know. I thought you were one of those people. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> and then Kirk goes on to say, we can both adapt to platform changes while also voicing our opinions on the harm those changes are causing. Hashtag PPC chat. I love this. Yeah. I love this because people are afraid. And Kirk goes on to talk about this. He says, one more thing that should stop us in our tracks is the people who have told me they are concerned to post any sort of criticism about Google changes because it will damage their relationships or position. Think about that. Fear of actual retribution for disagreement. What? PPC chat. I mean, we've disagreed a lot, and I don't think we've had that many negative consequences yet. Not no. yet. I mean, <laughs> pretty soon. I've asked many times to have Googlers come on the show and it will not happen. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, we are also a little bit snarky. So I get that. Or like a lot, a lot of salt, a lot of sass. But my thing is like, if your automation is that good, you shouldn't be afraid to show the data. Because if your automation is good and we can see the data, that's just affirming to us that the automation is that good. So the fact that data is being hidden just makes us concerned because why are you hiding it? If automation is great, then we should be able to use the automation and see, wow, we're still not getting a lot of bad match search terms. This is doing its job. We're getting conversions. We can see what keyword this person converted on great job on Google for making that match using automation. But no, they're not showing it to us. And it's, yes. what are you hiding? So we should insert that clap track after that. On the Claxkers last week. And Julie Bacini at Neptune Moon on Twitter agrees with you. She said, I agree with this thread 100%. Google does pay attention to what it said. Believe me, I know as a vocal critic, but what are they going to do? Really? Not give you a rep? Make it hard for customer <laughs> service? Um, that's where most PPC pros operate anyway. Love her. <laughs> and Kirk has led the charge on this as well. In a previous 
thread, he had talked at, I believe it was one of the conferences. He can correct us if, if wrong. But he had asked Google Rep about something and could we see the data? And they were perplexed as to why Kirk would want to see the data. It's like, <laughs> because I'm advertising. It's just, you, you don't may have to make everything a black box. Yeah, I, I, or as Glenn Gabe would say, black magic. <laughs> and it's like, could you imagine like buying something and not knowing what it is? No. no. Like, <laughs> no. anyway, love that from Kirk and totally agree. Like, give us both. Why? Why not? Yeah. And again, we give no opinions. We do not influence. Your goal yeah. is to make the best product. <laughs> make the best product. And prove it. And now it's time for this week's I See You, Why Am I? This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something you overlooked. But you shouldn't have. I see you, Why Am I, people. This week, we have a lovely Twitter thread from the one and only Amy Bishop. I'll be moderating her session at the SEJE Summit next week. She's at Hoffman8 on Twitter. And she was talking with Harrison J. Hep at Harrison J. Hep on Twitter about starting to go freelance full time. And she gave a lot of great advice here on what to do when you're going out on your own for the first time. And I'm just going to sh- give you guys some of the highlights. This is like a 20-something tweet thread. So if you want the full advice, this is important for you, this is something you're considering, please just go to over to our show notes. You can check out the entire thread. I have 11 tips here for you guys from Amy. First, her first tip is that you should formally create a business. You want to make sure that the work you are doing is separate from your person in order to keep those brands separate. And that way, if you like mess up, you can separate that from yourself. And also it's great for taxes and keeping all of the money separate. Second, she says to build out your brand before you start. As soon as you start getting clients, you're not going to have time to build out your brand. It becomes a back burner item, but it's really important. So you just want to make sure you do that first. Third, if you can, it's not always possible, but if you can acquire some clients before leaving your full-time job, so you have a little bit of a safety net there. And then next, this is one of her biggest tips, and she references it throughout several tweets back and forth, to find an accountant for your new business. It's really important to like have someone else that can help you track expenses, choosing the right business type for your freelance, whether you're like a sole proprietorship or whatever, I'm not the business person. Other types for the best tax scenarios, um, being realistic about how much money you're making, making sure to set aside money for taxes, it's not all your income, and also like controlling your income, being like, this is the company's money, this is my salary, and doing that separately. So if you're falling hard times, you have money set aside to give yourself money, and you're not just operating off of the income of the company. Next, choosing an invoicing system to keep track of invoices with your clients and offering online payment because you have to do a lot less chasing down of your clients and it's a very tedious task if it's just you. Um, and if you give an, on, off an online payment, they'll pay 
right away most of them. Next, um, just get organized and create processes from the beginning. You're gonna wanna get used to that admin work that's new to you, create systems and processes and onboarding plans right away. And then one other tip is just as you're making those initial contracts, just talk to a lawyer about your proposals to make sure that you're covering yourself there, especially with scope creep. Next, create an ideal client profile and a list of bad client red flags to prevent getting stuck with black, bad clients because it's easier to reject someone than to fire a bad client. And it might you might wanna accept everyone at first, but that's not a good long-term strategy. Um, she also said it's important to build out a pricing strategy for yourself, and she included a great tweet from Dwayne Brown there where he listed out how to build a pricing strategy for yourself. Um, next, very obvious network. Get to know other people in the industry who can help you with tips. Get to know other freelancers who do different things so you guys can share projects with each other. And it's always good to like know a few agencies for if you're down on work and you can like lend them a hand with extra work that they have. And last but not least, mentally prepare yourself for the anxiety. You can get through it. There will be ups and downs. You might be worried about clients leaving or income coming in. That is completely normal to feel anxious, um, but it's just part of doing the freelance life and being out on your own. You can overcome that. So thank you, Amy, so much for those awesome tips. And can I quote, quote tweet this? This was a great thread. I'm going to give number 12 here. I think you should also be good. Like we're getting out of here, right? Like that's the number one thing is like get really, really, really good. Mm -hmm. And then no. Wait, then that was like, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, Mark Gustafson tweeted recently. I didn't. What? I didn't see it. Oh, I thought you were telling me to do that. Sorry. Oh no. Um, so Mark Gustafson tweeted recently and was like, someone messaged me. Oh, I did, I did see this. Was like, I <laughs> want to start a digital marketing business but i have no experience but i have several clients like waiting to sign on like can you help me out and like train me i'll pay you for training and he like put on twitter is like i want everyone's honest feedback on this but my main opinion is that i don't feel comfortable with someone selling people on a service that you cannot actually provide and that goes hand in hand with what greg just said yeah that's terrifying now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts, paid, organic, and social. First up in the paid news this week, we have a lovely Twitter thread from Greg at PPC Greg, Greg of the year, and Martin Redgerding. And Greg was asking if anyone was aware how character count works with RSAs if you're using location insertion. He was worried of what would happen if your location was a longer city name and that went over the character limit. And Martin chimed in and said there's two main things that you can do for these location extensions. First, you want to have a, a fallback text directly in the same pop-up where you enter the placeholder. And then next, just having three other headlines without insertions to back up if that's not going to be an option. And then he also offered some secondary advice to experiment with different copy. So changing the variance of the text that goes with the placeholder. So you have multiple options for copy length and the RSA can kind of play around with that 
on its own. Do you think he's looking for a new podcast with that search? His search is PPC Friendship Near City. Like, I thought we were friends, Greg. <laughs> and he's he's high-key super funny. I, I was DMing him something. I, I DMed him three different things. In the first one, I said, OMFG, congrats, hashtag recount. And he responded <laughs> back. <clears throat> and then I had two other things I was asking him. And this is private, but it's funny. And he said, OMFG equals, oh, my favorite Greg, question mark. You're too kind. So, That's so sweet. I mean, I guess if you need new PPC friendship, fine. Aww. But we're here for you, Greg. But this is location specific. I think he's looking for local PPC. There's friendship. a pa- it's a pandemic, Greg. What are you doing? They're gonna go to a park and stand twenty <laughs> feet away and yell things about Google Ads. Well, he can come to Buffalo if he wants to smell pet bedding. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we are going to talk a little bit more about. Greg's rant of the year, Google Ads partner mm. changes. <laughs> and we had power listener of the show, David E. Fowler was very concerned that he was going to lose his partner badge over um, some kind of nitty gritty things. So with the new Google Ads partners changes, we have the spend requirement of um, currently, it's $10,000 over 90 days, and now it's going to be $20,000 over 90 days. And then everyone in who is in your manager account needs to have a certification in the specialty that you're providing, whether that's search, display, video, shopping. At the base level, you only need to have one of those to be a Google search partner. David was concerned because he also does shopping and video display for a small set of clients. And he was worried that he was going to lose his shopping or his, he was worried he was going to lose his Google search partners um, distinction over not having everyone at his agency being trained and having the certification for display video and shopping. And he knew for a fact he would never make the spend requirements for display video shopping app, et cetera. And was like, do I have to kick out all of my clients that do that? Do I have to tell them to go to someone else for that if I want to keep that? And like then only do search as my requirements. That's the only thing I can guarantee that everyone at my agency is going to get certified in because normally I only make account managers get certified in search and not all those other specialties. After David posed that question to a Google um, forum, Diamond product expert James Clemens chimed in to clear this up for him. So first up, he kind of went through the changes, like going from $10,000 to 90 days to $20,000 per 90 days in 2021. And then basically for the Google Partner Program Badge, you need to have meet the, they're calling it performance, but the quality score. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That is the funniest thing I think that's what it means because I've never heard a performance requirement before and I didn't read this and I'm reading my notes to myself and I'm like it says performance but they mean optimization score that is not not the same thing optimization score is not a synonym to performance it's an Mm -hmm. antonym 
Zing. I want like the coffee house snaps when you're doing like um, <laughs> spoken word. <laughs> <laughs> and then the spend, like we just talked about in certifications. And then the second part of it is the additional parts that we were talking about before. The shopping, the display, the apps, those kind of are their own separate badges. Like you have a specialization. So if you don't, you don't necessarily lose your badge. You only need to meet those spend certification and performance <laughs> criteria in one of those. You yeah. don't need to do it in all of them. So if you only do video campaigns for one client, you're not going to lose right. your partner's badge. Mm -hmm. If you don't meet those requirements within video, you only need to meet those requirements within one part of Google Ads. Right. And James did a great job saying uh, in an analogy of it's the icing on the cake. The cake is a pretty hacky cake. It's the Google Partners cake. But you can hover over that and get the specialization, the different icing of the video. And you don't have to have the icing. You can have an ice, icing-less cake if you feel like it. But yes, you, it, it's, it's on top of, not in replace of, mm. the partner's badge. And now our segment, Beyond Google Ads. Google doesn't care about you. But we do. And this week, we have an article from CXL from Bud Henke's over on CSI. CXL called GA4 is here. Here's what you need to know. Jess, I saw you look at me. You nervous? Yeah. Potential butt of the year. I mean, come on. No. There's only one butt of the year. <laughs> it's not me. But he talks about <laughs> funnels reimagined. And with GA4, all users now have access to funnels, which were previously reserved only for GA360 users, which would run you about a quarter million dollars a year. And in GA4, you can now see really cool information on users and the kind of like more granular data and look at paid and look at it by breakdown of, of ad platform. And there's another great article from AdSwerve. We'll link it all over in the show notes, get it in our newsletter. And you can see that these, again, funnels can get you a lot more information on how other ad platforms are doing. And this isn't specifically ad platform direct but if you are trying to prove value from other networks out there check out ga4 check out the funnels it's something that before cost a lot and now comes free and thank you greg for that that is all we have in the paid news this week what's fresh and organic Greg? we have a lot in organic led by microsoft bing that has added some new metrics into the search performance report within Bing Webmaster Tools. So the new metrics include crawl requests, crawl errors, index pages, some of the things that aren't necessarily direct, directly related to the performance but are really cool. And the imagery is awesome. You can hop in there and see everything all at once. It's like <laughs> rainbow soup. It's beautiful. When you, when you hop in there. But it's cool oh. that you can see CTR, position, crawl requests, errors, and see like exactly if there's any impact with any of that. So I love options just like Kirk Williams, AKA PPC Kirk, and I love this. All right, next up, Google is going full DJ Casper on us here and is allowing users to get more information if they slide to the left and slide to the right, cha-cha real smooth. <laughs> is that who DJ Casper is? Because yeah. I had no Did you idea. not have that song downloaded on your Zune, Jess? I didn't, I wasn't cool enough to have a Zune. <laughs> now turn it out. <laughs> And this came from Barry Schwartz, and he said, 
I have to be honest, this is super useful. Just the other day, I wanted to buy a bottle of mouthwash for the house, and I bought it online, and it came. What well, came? It was travel size. Oh. Maybe I want to get three or four use out of this. I've done the same thing, but on Amazon, not Google, to be fair. And the example that they gave, I take umbrage with the example. It's for a whiskey, and the slider goes from smaller size on the bottom, which would be a slide to the left, in the middle is 700 milliliters, which I don't have you ever seen a 700 milliliter bottle? No. The bottle listed is 750, which is like halfway between 700 and larger size. <laughs> and it's like not nearly near a handle. And then have you, I've never seen any of this. This example is insane to me. <laughs> and did it says someone, larger than most whiskey. Like I'm buying handle size. Yeah. Yeah. This did, is not did someone who doesn't drink make this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> Like, it should be, like, flask size or, like, sample size and then handle. Like, what are we doing? Like, an airplane bottle? <laughs> but yeah. Could you imagine but, try, thinking you're buying a, a handle and then getting, like, a little airplane bottle? I'd be so disappointed. Or some people in the country say nip. I agree with Barry. No, I do like this. And like I said, it's happened to me before where I bought, again, a little mini mouthwash. <laughs> But I just credit it to me being a moron. Oh, this is cheap. This is cool. Uh, but it would be cool to see how low can you go. Can you go down low oh all the way to the floor? Can you bring it to the top? Like you never, never stop. Are we at a wedding right now? <laughs> do you want to know how low I want? <laughs> I thought it was so cool back in the day that I paid money to download that song on iTunes. And then what am I going to do? Like, listen to that on my headphones, on my iPod? Like, you bet I did that. That is insane. I just picture you dancing by that, yourself. That haunts me to this day that I did that. Oh, no. I lost 99 cents to the cha-cha slide. <laughs> Well, DJ Casper thanks you. And something that people aren't thankful for, apparently, is their employment at Google. So Google workers have announced plans to unionize, and the union will be open to all Alphabet employees and contractors. Typically, unions, it's a whole thing. We could do 20 shows on unions. But typically, there's different things that you're working for, like specific wages or rights or insurance, things like that. This isn't necessarily the case. So these alphabet workers have unionized with CWA Local 1400, and it is arranged as a members-only union. So they won't seek collective bargaining rights to negotiate a new contract with the company. Instead, you can voluntarily join, and it will help to represent companies who seek to participate and it can include temps, vendors, and contractors, which you couldn't if you're a, a standard union. I'm done with the union stuff. Look up, go Wikipedia unions if you want more. But the, the thing is that <laughs> they're unionizing to have Google be a better company, not about wages. Specifically, Chewy Shaw, an engineer at Google in San Francisco Bay Area and the vice chair of the union's leadership council, had this quote. Our goals go beyond the workplace questions of, are people getting paid enough? Our issues are much broader. He says, it is a time where a union is an answer to these problems. Like, you chose to work at an evil company that mm -hmm. is not a good company, and you're getting paid well? <laughs> like, you might not be able to have, ev like, everything. You made the cake and the icing and eat it too. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, I don't know. It, it's sad that it's come that far, but it's also, hey, Everybody wants Google to be better, and they won't be. They're Google. Yeah, but I'm at least happy to see that they were able to successfully do this because 
I mean, look at Amazon. Mm-hmm. Like they tried, and Amazon literally had like spies, <laughs> right? Yeah, busting at Whole Foods. It was insane. So the fact that at least this is happening, you think of like Google and Amazon are pretty similar companies in terms of their size and their reach. That at least this can happen there. And I also think it's telling. It's like, we're going to pay you good so that you do our bidding for us. Right. And then they're finally like, oh, no, no not anymore. Yeah. Because the, it's 2020 was so insane. So mm. We'll see what happens to these folks. Okay. And next up, there may be a Chrome cart feature coming. Over on ChromeUnbox.com, they found a new set of flags and commits in Chrome that might be pointing to something called Chrome cart. They were able to hack it a little bit with a Pixelbook Go, and they were able to show that when they went to the Google homepage, it was sort of a cart-based experience. I forget the name. There's another name for it, but that was sort of cool. And just a heads up that maybe something coming um, in Google Shopping now is, is actually beneficial with being able to have those organic listings. All right, we had another Joy Bomb from Joy Hawkins, and Barry wrote it up over on Search Engine Roundtable where there was an issue with Google My Business missing insights at the end of the year. There is just a huge gap in seeing people that have visited your profile, requesting directions or calling you or messaging you um, from the 27th to about the 29th. So just note that when you are crunching that data. All right, and Google's Lighthouse is now recommending alternatives for specific outdated JavaScript libraries. If you're running something old, you can use Lighthouse to find out if there's something newer, faster, sleeker, better. I like that. Like, yeah, show me what to use. That's cool. Thanks for something helpful. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And something super creepy over on technologyreview.com, MIT Technology Review. We talked about OpenAI before. Shep hated the article that was written. They made it to Hacker News. I did too. But OpenAI put out two ideas, two new models together called DAL-E and CLIP. And they combine languages and images that will make AIs better at understanding both. The main takeaway here is they give them these, these questions that would be really hard for anybody to ever know. Like especially AI, like a human could barely do it, like avocado chair. And they come up with an avocado chair. And then they gave them a question of a baby Dacon reddish in a radish in a tutu walking a dog. And it's like, how could AI ever do this? Like what how could I even draw that? Oh. And it came up with like 15 versions of it. And for me, there's one version of this radish that is like the machines will win. This is Terminator style <laughs> salvation. Like I thought I was scared of the Boston Dynamics robot, but look at the squatting radish. It looks to be nude with a mole on its leg, walking a dog that is tied to the tutu, but the tutu is around its neck. It's like, we are toast. We're toast. This is it. This is. I thought we might have a chance, but we're toast. I, I, I was like, that one came right to my face, and I'm like, it looks more like a albino carrot. Head on a person, and it's a wolf too. Like what? This is an. <laughs> oh yeah. Somebody should find this machine and shut it down. Pull the plug. <laughs> get rid of it. And that's in organic. Just what's happening in social? Wow. Someone call Vanity Fair. That's like a maternity shoot. All right. First up in social this week from our very own Mark Saltarelli at Marketing by Mark on Twitter. I don't want to talk about him like he's not in the room, but Mark tweeted the following. Looks like LinkedIn made adding admins slightly more intuitive with new page admin and paid 
media roles. And then he lists them. Page admin levels are super content and analyst. And then the media roles are spawn con and forms, which I love. And he had a screenshot of that as well. So you could peep that on YouTube. But what's really cute, Mark, is that I like that you threw this to 2020 BFF of the show, Andrea Cruz. (laughs) He ended the tweet with at Andrea Cruz 92. Did I beat you to the punch? Which like jab, jab, right? (laughs) But it's even cuter because she acknowledged that you beat her to it, but she jabbed you back. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's like, I was just surprised that I found something in the platform that she hadn't seen yet because she is the first person on even like the slightest like Mm -hmm. UI change, like a a button will have like a a different text and she'll be like tweeting it out. Like she notices everything and she's the first person to spot it and share it out. So I was just like, I was like, Wait, did I? I was like confused that I beat her. <laughs> like, did I really? Can you I confirm? Like, I was like, I was like, is this real life at Andrea Cruz 92? <laughs> yeah, so she did acknowledge that you won, but then she tweeted the following. So she said, You beat me to it, happy face. She's so lovely. I like it though. Here's what I spotted today, but not sure if it's new. Not I as in me, I as in Andrea Cruz. And then she continues her tweet with, You can find it in your ad manager. Just click the gear icon in the top right, and it's contact settings so she has a screenshot as well so again check the show notes or the youtube if you're watching there are uh settings essentially when you want linkedin to contact you so the options are if your ad was rejected or if you want new features and updates which i think is really nice because sometimes people just don't want to hear from from you so Mm -hmm. yeah the other thing i love was timothy jensen tweeted back at me and was like this is great but why don't they just make it easier for our clients to add us to their linkedin ads accounts (laughs) (laughs) and that goes for every paid social oh goodness yes we never get what we want all right trade in your pantsuit for a hoodie with soggy drawstring because we are moving from linkedin to tiktok who's facing a new legal challenge over its tracking of underage user data and if you want to really learn about this you can read the article but essentially there are a lot of kids on tiktok i don't think that's a surprise to anyone because of tiktok's parent company ByteDance being chinese essentially the chinese government can request user data at any point in time and there are concerns because a lot of the children are on tiktok so read more about that if you're interested we will keep you posted if anything new uh, comes of it and now let's talk about facebook because their pages are getting a makeover with a cleaner younger fresher look the Revamp began rolling out on Wednesday with the aim for users to be able to find important information such as a page's bio and post more quickly, which is nice. They're also displaying follower counts now and getting rid of just overall page likes. So we it's a little bit more streamlined. I don't know. It was the whole point of Facebook back in the day. Yeah, Thumbs it's <laughs> we can I don't I don't know if we can poke them still. I think they took oh, that can away. Still poke. Too. Can you still poke? Yeah. I might log into Facebook just to see. Mm-hmm. I'll, who, are you guys on Facebook? I'll poke hey, all of you. I am. I'll add you just to poke you. I can't get messages. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You're sorry, better people. off. <laughs> anyway, so look out for that if you're managing Facebook pages. And now, bon voyage. After four years of service, Facebook's chief of advertising integrity slash product guy, Rob Leathern, has left the company. And there's a whole gizmodo write-up about it. If you want to read it, we'll have it in the show notes. But we've spent so much time here on Marketing O'Clock reading tweets directly from Rob. So I think it only does him justice to read his tweets announcing that he was leaving Facebook. And Rob says, 
After almost four years, I made the difficult decision to leave Facebook and 12-30-2020 was my last day at Facebook. I've had a great experience in a difficult, fun, fast-growing, and impactful role at the company working with amazing people. I was honored to call them colleagues. And he goes on. It's a whole thread. He's got 12 tweets talking about where he's come from, where he's going, and his experience at Facebook and and beyond. So definitely check that out. I, my heart kind of skipped a beat when I read this, guys. So like, it, I don't know, it came as a surprise to me. But good on you, Rob, for yeah. going out there and you know doing finding something that sparks you joy. It's a really big move to leave Facebook. So we're looking forward to hearing about what's that next. role would have had to been one of the most stressful roles ever because I really think okay. Rob tried to do good. He answered he a lot did. of stuff for me before. Yeah. He helped the community. I know we had a couple jokes where he said, "Don't DM me anymore," <laughs> but he really tried. At a company where the motto was almost like "Don't try," yeah, with ads, and that is an awful role. And some of these 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 positions are very bad jobs, not good. Like when you really want to try and you work for a company that doesn't care, yeah, that's tough. And whether it's Google, Facebook, whatever, I mean, that is stressful. And I think I think that, that shows a lot. Yeah, I think so too. And he did say he was proud of the work that he did there. So. Again, looking forward to seeing what comes from Rob next. Hopefully great stuff. So we'll stick with Facebook here, but we're going to abandon the warm and fuzzies that we just shared. This is a piece called, After spending over $57 million on Facebook ads, they kicked me and my pages off without warning or explanation. And again, this is one you should read if you want to just be haunted in your sleep because it's really, really sad. It's from Jordan Navigon of Shared, which is a content publisher who just got the ax from Facebook essentially after spending 57, I think it's Canadian, but $57 million over the last like 15 years or so on the platform. And this is, from what I understood in the article, a company that had worked directly with the policy team at Facebook to try to make sure they were compliant with everything. They had a lot of open communication. And then all of a sudden, just one day, they were told you've been removed from Facebook and quote, this decision is final. Unfortunately, for safety and security reasons, we can't give you any additional information as to why your account was disabled. End quote. That's bad. How are people supposed to change and, and fix things if they're not even given info? Can I go contrarian on you? Yeah. That site should be banned from Facebook. That site stinks. Shared.com. The whole thing is some strange affiliate arbitrage, just ad play. But yes, you spent money. You're an advertiser. You should be told something. Yes. While you should be banned, you should be able to be told what the issue is. Nobody in their right mind would go to Shared.com. But they also have been a patron of your business, supporting your business. Your stock price is increasing, and you should treat them with respect and give them information. Agreed. So I see both sides of this, and it's it's a bad move. Yeah, but I mean, I to be fair, if you're working with the policy department and you're having those conversations and you're doing everything that they're saying, then it's really not on you. It's on Facebook. Provide the explanation. Yeah, I agree with but you. Given that you're working directly with them, I feel like there were some policy concerns going on. Sure. But I will say, I did just go to shared.com and now I know how to maintain a gutter system. <laughs> and, and that's the problem, right? You can maintain how to have a gutter system and then you can also find an office chair and eight short-lived celebrity engagements. Four tips to planning a Costa Rica spa vacation. That does not and sound COVID are, safe. Ads are mixed in. I get why they got banned. It is... But at the same time, they should have more. 
transparency is key. We need the information and more on that from me in a second. So lastly here, we'll just lighten the mood with news from Koi Wolf in front of the show, John Henshaw. AVIF, AVIF images are now supported on Facebook. So more like AVIF, am I right? Are they similar to AVIFs? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, I was going to say. It's a reused joke. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, John. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. I talked about this on a previous episode of how I was locked out of the Facebook account that I was using to run Facebook ads for Cypress North. And then I got an email today because I, I had to submit my ID for verification to them. And then I got an email today that they could not review my ID verification request to allow me back into my Facebook account. And at first, I like wanted to throw a tantrum. I'm like, you made me do this. You would not let me into my Facebook account. That is mine, and I've been running ads in. And then you also won't review it. So like, why did you make me do that? I was about to throw a tantrum, and then I went to log into Facebook, and they just let me in. I got to fix all the verification problems that were going on. But just like, why? Like, what is going on over there? I don't know. Jess, what's going on in your account? <laughs> I don't know what's going on with Facebook either. We have a client who had two separate businesses, essentially, and two separate ad accounts, both of which were disabled uh, this week. And we got the little notification that said, contact the admin for more info. Well, we contacted the admin and there was no more info there. So we are still trying to figure that mess out. And I will update you guys as we figure out what the issue is. But again, with the transparency thing in Facebook, not even notifying the account owner of the fact that this ad account was disabled. We only saw it because we went in to do our work. So not cool. Greg? Cool. And for me, the HubSpot scheduler to schedule a time is amazing. And I didn't have it set up till this week. I know, Mark, you did. You Oh, like the personal calendar tool? Yes. It integrates with your Google Calendar. It can see when you have openings. You can put Mm -hmm. in times. It makes scheduling appointments and meetings so easy. I know Jill's a big, big user of this on our team here, but I finally got that set up and it's awesome. And so if you use HubSpot and you don't use the scheduler tool, it is a lifesaver. Yeah, and it's great. It's basically the same thing as Calendly, but a slightly different interface. So there's no reason to have both tools and you can use it to run like automations in your HubSpot account. So for example, at Cypress North, um, Jill, um, our chief growth officer, does all of our sales. So I have it set so if someone books a meeting with her, it updates the life cycle stage of that lead to sales qualified because they have a call schedule to discuss the sale of Cypress So nice. So <laughs> it's really cool to use it for that way. And I have it linked in my signature for my email. So if I'm emailing back and forth with someone, they can just click the signature and schedule a meeting with me. And if you need any help with HubSpot, give us a call because there's nobody better on the planet than Mark. Oh, In so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> and now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's cool tool is the Auction Insights Visualizer, and this is from Optimizer. It is aptly named. It does exactly what you think. It creates data visualizations from your Google Ads Auction Insights report, which is just a plain old table on its own in Google Ads. This is really nice. 
Using the Auction Insights Visualizer is simple too. You just have to download your insights report from Google Ads and upload it into the tool. So this is especially handy if you need to show trends to someone that's not savvy in the Google Ads interface, say your clients. So this came to us via George Wynn, who covered it recently on Search Engine Land. He has a really great write-up, and we'll have the link to that in the show notes if you want to learn more. But if you're ready to just play with it, the tool is free. So you can head on over to Optimizer, that's O-P-T-M-Y-Z-R.com, slash free hyphen tools, slash auction hyphen insights hyphen visualizer. We'll have that link in the show notes too, and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And this week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Katie Sell from Hootsuite. And this is Inception style here, where she's got a guide about Instagram guides. and has 10 unique ways to use Instagram guides for marketing. The beginning of it is how to set up what Instagram guides actually are, and then has a bunch of different content ideas. I'm not going to ruin them all here. You can go check it out over at Hootsuite. Thank you, Katie. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com or in our newsletter. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe to both the podcast and our newsletter (laughs) so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Hack, where after our famous Friday news show, we don't talk about marketing anymore, we just shoot the hack. And this week, we are playing everybody's favorite game, Two Kinds of People. This is something that is so polarizing, it is binary. There's only two ways to answer this question. And first up, there's two kinds of people. People that like markers or crayons. Marker people? crayons and katie you're gonna jump on to our producer mark your thoughts obviously i'm gonna choose marker because my name is mark (laughs) (laughs) all right well that was easy katie how about you i think you're a crayon person no i'm actually a marker person not project your opinions onto her the texture is so gross like it's wax yeah. No, but like when they crumble and like they get all over everything. It's so bad. Like right. they what make are you a mess. Doing your crayons. You have to sharpen them. Uh, they break. You have to sharpen your markers too. You just have to get new ones because they've run out. Just your thoughts. I'm a crayon person. <laughs> Me too. I think they're more forgiving and lovely. And you have a little mm. thing with like called tact where you can push mm. harder and make it darker. Oh, and you, you can, can go eat lighter. Them. Yeah, your dog can eat a crayon, and it's NBD. Yeah. You can melt and put a wick on them. You have candles. Can't do that with markers. Not more plastic on the environment, Katie, that you might have brought Fumes. Fumes. Fumes are nice. <laughs> Fair enough. Those scented markers are really cool. You love Expo markers. You want to draw on that whiteboard. 
All right, Jess, what do you got? All right, I got one. There's two kinds of people, y'all. People that put their car in the garage and people that use their garage for non-car things. Go, Greg. I don't personally put my car in the garage. I think it needs to be seasoned outside. It likes the elements. It's fine. My car is fine. My car is, has 175,000 miles on it. It doesn't need to be in a garage. It doesn't deserve to be in a garage. But I put my wife's car in a garage. Oh. So I don't have, I'm not like, I don't have a double, double garage. So it's about the car for you, not the use of the garage. I mean, I don't have a problem with snow getting it off my car. And we live in, in Western New York here, so it's an issue. So me personally, I don't put my car in a garage. So the only time besides growing up where I've had a garage, I didn't have a car. (laughs) So I can't honestly answer this question (laughs) because I've never had a car and a garage at the same time because my only apartment where I had a garage was when I lived in Boston. I didn't have a car because I took public transportation. Hmm. This is a very hard question for me to, to answer, but... I will say I do like the idea of having a garage as an extra entertaining space. Like if you're in Buffalo, you have that Cheektowaga living room. The screened-in garage. Yes. And I used in Boston, we used our garage a lot for entertaining because we'd open it up and it'd be like outside. And it was like a nice outdoor space. We didn't have a lot of space. So I think I am a car outside, but we'll see when I finally get to move into my house I've been waiting to move into for a year if I use the garage for parking or entertainment. So for now, car outside. What about you, Jess? I grew up in the garage as an entertainment space family. My husband grew up in a garage as a storage space family. So now we are combined. A garage is an entertainment storage space family, and we Hmm. keep our cars in the driveway. Oh, that's a lovely story. Yeah. What about you, Katie? (laughs) I feel like I'm the odd one out. I put my car in the garage. What are you doing? It's a room. I don't want to clean off the snow. We live in Buffalo. (laughs) I love that Greg's like, I don't care. I'll clean off the snow. In reality, in reality, I was playing the game. I forge in my garage, and there's a car in there after I'm done forging. So I'm sort of both, but mm. I, I there is a car that goes in the garage. So is this it's really entertaining? Two types of people, or is I, it two people, look, one pathway? I'm I support Jess. I'm with Jess. Thank you, Greg. All right, and lastly, sorry, here, Katie. <laughs> I support everyone here. <laughs> and lastly, here there's two kinds of people: people that like receiving a gift that was wrapped in newspaper, and people that are offended. When they receive a gift wrapped in newspaper. Two kinds of people. Is it the funnies? I feel like you have to wrap it in the funnies. Any kind of newspaper. Or comics or whatever. I mean, I'm not offended by anything. I don't need a gift. I don't need it wrapped. And if it's wrapped, I don't care what it's wrapped in. Thank you for the gift. Katie? I don't care. I mean, for my family this year, I put them all in cardboard boxes for Christmas and just put 404 wrapping paper not found on them. (laughs) (laughs) Did your family get it? Yes. Yes. They're those ordinary people that care about what's happening with Google. Right? They're IT people. They they know what's mm. up. They know computers better than I do. So. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Love Mark? that. Oh, I love that story. It's really cute. This one, my aunt and uncle growing up always used to wrap their presents in the comics. And I would always look forward to it. I thought, like, I always knew which present was from them. I absolutely loved it growing up. And honestly, I feel like it's kind of rude to care what it's wrapped in. 
Unless it's wrapped in literal garbage. <laughs> you tell them. I'm wrapping um, old banana peels over here. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I saw somebody talk about the fact that don't give me a present if it's wrapped in newspaper. I was oh, like, what? How? What an ungrateful... It's the same people driving a Prius around, thinking they're saving the world, saying, no, it needs to be fancy gold foil paper. So, yeah, give Ew. me give me an ad. I don't Give me a Lowe's ad. I don't care. Give me whatever you got. <laughs> Save the environment, and then I'll wrap actually it, Wrap it in your printer mishaps. <laughs> oh, that's good. Because <laughs> it's also fun to read. <laughs> and we will see you next week.